Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Today, we're happy to have back in our studio our Democratic candidate, Marlon K. Brownlee, who is running for the Maplewood Township Committee. Welcome back to the program, Marlon. Hi, Darrell. Thanks for having me back. We had a great discussion last week, and I hope we can explore some topics a little bit deeper this week. Um, share with our audience, why are you running for office? Well, I, I'm, I'm running because uh, I've, I've lived in Maplewood for 19 years, my wife and I. We're, we're raising two children here who are now at Columbia High School, and, and, and we love Maplewood. And when we see uh, issues in town that, that need to be addressed, we're the kind of people who step up. And what are those issues? Well, certainly we've got mm -hmm. the uh, financial challenges that, that Maplewood faces. Uh, like all of us in, in Maplewood, uh, taxes are, are fairly high. I also feel there's a sense of uh, disengagement uh, on the part of uh, a number of citizens in, in town. And one of the things that I've, uh, I've noted in, in walking around as part of this campaign all over town and talking to people in the different neighborhoods is that while Maplewood is only four square miles, there are a lot of different neighborhoods in town, and, and they vary in how connected they feel with each other and, and the degree in which their concerns are being addressed by those on the township committee. So while we're a, a fairly small town, we've got a lot of different neighborhoods in this town. And as you're walking through the towns, what is the main message you're hearing from the, the, the people in regards to their concerns about the current township committee? Well, again, people talk about the fact that taxes are high and they want to make sure that they're continuing to get the best value that they can for the monies that they're paying. Uh, those are people who are longtime residents are concerned that maybe some of those services are eroding and they want to see that those things don't get lost. And those who are new, uh, I had a woman the other day talk to me about the fact that she's concerned about whether taxes will go so high that w if she decides to move out one day, whether she'll be able to move, you know, sell her house. You know, I, when I look at it, you know, from a from a personal standpoint as well, and I came upon this when I was walking around town. I was struck by the number of people who lived here whose parents lived here as well, and I, I found it really nice that you know they were living in the same town that they grew up. And you know, as I think about it from the perspective of my children, you know, not that they have to come back and, and live in Maplewood one day, but I I'd like it to at least be an option for them. I, I like to think that they enjoy living in Maplewood with all that it has to offer, and it would be nice if they had the option to come back and move in, and live in Maplewood uh, as sort of a statement of the kind of community that they grew up in and how much they loved it as well. So obviously, given that and seeing the situation, uh, I want to get involved and, and hopefully try to make that a possibility. You know, Marlon, your, your educational background is phenomenal. Cornell undergrad, uh, Kellogg Graduate School of Management as you. for your MBA. Yes. You have a strong background in strategy, marketing, and technology. Just from a layman's point of view, do you see any low-hanging fruit that you immediately would like to address where you will give Maplewood a lift? Well, well sure. You know, one of, one of the concepts that I've talked about, uh, you know, pretty continually during the campaign is the concept of, of shared services. And, you know, talking to different people, I'm always struck by the fact that it's often the, the rank and file who actually come up with some of the, the, the good ideas. I was talking to uh, a gentleman in the Board of Education who's, who's the head of the technology uh, in that area. And one of the things that he mentioned to me was that they have, uh, again, I'm trying to use layman's terms here, uh, they have servers, if you will, that uh, store information that the Board of Education uses. And given the contract that they have, that 
server that they have actually has excess capacity, and South Orange, to a certain extent, takes advantage of that by storing some of their information on those servers. However, Maplewood, uh, they could actually do the same thing. So rather than maintaining sort of that separate infrastructure, Maplewood could actually potentially take advantage of this resource, which would effectively be free, and actually use that, and therefore we wouldn't have to pay those expenses associated with that. You know, it's a small success, but it's something that, that could be done. I had another conversation with the uh, head of the Department of Public Works, and we were talking about some of the existing arrangements that they currently have. For example, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, Maplewood actually has an arrangement with South Orange where South Orange's municipal vehicles are actually repaired by the Maplewood's Department of Public Works Auto Services. I didn't know that. Yes. So it's actually an interesting arrangement because now rather than South Orange going to garages and getting their cars repaired at you know standard market rates, if you will, for that, they actually come to Maplewood and get their cars repaired by the Maplewood's Department of Public Works. So they're actually paying a lower rate than they would if they went elsewhere to get those things done. And it's a win-win situation because we're getting revenue that we wouldn't have otherwise, and they're getting their cars repaired for a lesser rate than they would elsewhere. Well, we were talking about that example, and we were continuing onwards and talking about the fact that in order to examine the pipes underneath the ground in our streets, they actually contract out with an agency which charges us you know, up to $2,000 per day to do that examination because we don't own that equipment. And so we contract out to do that. He mentioned that Union actually has, the city of Union actually has that equipment. And I said, well, why couldn't we strike a deal similar to what we did with the auto services and actually have that type of arrangement with them? And he said, that's actually an excellent idea. And it was something that now is being considered. Again, these types of opportunities are there. We just need to be more diligent in looking for them. You know, considering that um, Maplewood and South Orange have shared the school system, yes. why shouldn't we share our police services and fire, fire services? Well, there's some complexities associated with that that make it not quite the slam dunk that some people might think it to be. I certainly think that that's something to be explored and, and, and believe that there are some active discussions going on right now in terms of the fire departments considering obviously merging those as well. And certainly to the layperson, one could ask, well, if you combine the two towns together, we're talking roughly six and a half square miles, if you will, why do we need two entirely separate fire departments to manage that entire area? So there's certainly some things to be done there. However, the forms of government between Maplewood and South Orange are different. South Orange is a civil service type town, Maplewood is not. And so some of the complexities need to be worked out in order for that to happen. However, we do have the court system, which is actually being merged, and South Orange is actually now going to be running their court systems out of the Maplewood court system location. And so there's a win-win situation for both towns. You know, Governor Christie has uh, said that he would like to see municipalities merge. What are your views on that? Well, I don't necessarily advocate municipalities merging. And, and, the, and the example I kind of give of that is that, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm a New Jersey native. And I grew up in an area that was suburban, suburban tending towards rural. I met some people who grew up in Manhattan, and they couldn't imagine living in a suburban, rural type of area. Say, what happens after 8 o'clock? Everything is closed, if you will. So Can't that's, take out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's okay. I mean, we can have our differences. You know, you like to live in that type of environment. I like to live in this type of environment. So that's fine. But we all have to have our grass, clean, uh, grass cut. Okay? That's right. That's right. We all have to have our streets cleaned. We all have leaves to be picked up.
So when I talk about merging, I'm talking about merging infrastructure, the services that we have in common between municipalities, not necessarily merging the municipalities themselves. I think there are valid reasons for different municipalities to exist. That's not to say that there are no municipalities that shouldn't perhaps merge, but it isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all that all the municipalities need to merge. I'm, I'm really more focused on merging the common infrastructure things that we can work on. You know, building on your idea, we could look at these items on a county level in regards to different services and infrastructure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a, an example of that when I talk about the, the 911 dispatch services on the, the Maplewood side, that's a roughly million dollar line item. And that's something that could potentially be done at the county level. You know, if you dial 911, that person doesn't necessarily have to be sitting in Maplewood. However, I obviously want them to be dispatching a Maplewood police officer to be at my house within three minutes. So as long as the appropriate service level agreements are in place to ensure that that's the situation, then we can certainly do that. You know, that's actually something that's being done currently in Union County, where FAMWOOD actually arranged for that type of situation with the Union County government. And they're saving to the tune of $230,000 over three years. So that's certainly something that we could potentially explore as well. In fact, I had a conversation with our county executive, Joe DiVincenzo, about that, and he suggested that that was something that we could potentially pursue. We couldn't do it just yet, but it was something to pursue. Well, that is that is an excellent idea, and that would be a very good start. He's done a great job with our county and in county with the various different services and Turtleback Zoo and whatnot. So I'm sure he's a, someone who would definitely take you up on that idea. Speaking of your views in regards to the top three issues that the township is facing, uh, what are those top three issues, and what is your plan of action to address those top three issues? once you're elected? Well, the, the three main things that I would uh, see as major issues in Maplewood, one is obviously the, the financial situation and the tax burden that we all face as, as citizens in Maplewood. <clears throat> I'm certainly looking at shared services as a major uh, area of opportunity for offsetting the costs that we have and therefore limiting or curtailing the growth in property taxes. So that's certainly something that I'm looking into. I think there's also the uh, feeling of disengagement that I mentioned earlier in different parts of the community where people feel that their needs aren't being heard. And, and part of my rationale for focusing on that is that if people don't feel that their voices are being heard, after a while they're less likely to bring those concerns to those who can do something about it. And so as a result, the township committee doesn't have all the information that it needs to have in order to make the most appropriate decisions. And then they start making decisions that perhaps aren't the best thing for the community as a whole. And as a result of that, all of us suffer. So by having an increased amount of engagement with the citizens in the community, people will be more able to communicate those concerns to the township committee, which will then have all the information at hand, and then they'll be able to make the true trade-offs in the decisions that are faced, and the decisions will be better, and all of us will benefit. I guess the third thing, as I look at it, is <clears throat> I'm going to call it a, a, a vision question. You know, one of the things that we need to talk about is what's our vision for, for Maplewood? You know, what kind of community do we want to be five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now. You know, we are the stewards of this community for those that come after us. What kind of community do we want to be? Obviously, over time, people move in, people move out. Hopefully, they'll stay longer. They don't just move out. But what kind of community do we want to be collectively? 
I think that's a fundamental question that I, I'm not sure that we really have the answer to right now. Obviously, we have some areas where we have some development opportunities and we need to talk about what kinds of establishments we want to put in those different locations. Well, part of the decision or part of the outcome, if you will, of that is, you know, what kind of community do we want to be? And that should guide that process of, of deciding what we want to do next. Speaking of development, um, what are your views on development and what are some of the things that uh, you think that Maplewood should immediately take a look at? Well, we've, we've got some uh, commercial space right now. We've got various spaces actually right now which are vacant or in a, in a position to be vacant in a fairly short time or, or for sale. You know, we can talk about the, uh, the, the women's club. They've actually put their location up for sale. Uh, we've got the uh, A&P on Valley Road. And we've got other locations as well. The post office uh, in the in the center of town in Maplewood Village, uh, their lease is expiring in 2013, and the decision has to be, well, what what do we see being there? So, I look at it from a process standpoint. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say this is what we should put there. I, I do have a bias in that I I don't want us to put sort of the the generic big box cookie cutter types of things that you can see in any town, if you will. Uh, you know, no bias intended. I'm not going to name any particular establishments, but I, I like to see things that perhaps capitalize a bit on the the type of community that we are. Something a bit more. I'm not sure if the right word is eclectic, but the fact that we have a lot of diversity in our town and and a lot of artistic types and things like that. I think we should look for something that sort of ties in and capitalizes on that from a theme standpoint, because again, that ties into the what do we want to be as a community ultimately. In order to do that, we need to have more dialogue with the community to understand what that answer to that question is, and that should guide that process. Well, there's been a lot of discussion about closing down the library. Now, I have to admit, I do have a, a bias. I am for libraries, so very importantly, and I know that you've stated in, in, in several debates or articles where that's yes. a place where you've taken your children to yes. from the time that they were born. Yes, indeed. Um, what are your views on the library, and what should be done about it? Well, I'm a staunch advocate for the libraries. I'm on record for saying that, and I know there were some discussions earlier this year about potentially closing one of the branches of the library, and, and, and I'm opposed to that. Uh, we are blessed to have two libraries in our town. Uh, certainly not most towns have that, but then on the other hand, we're not like most towns. You know, we've got an uncommon amount of diversity in our towns, and our libraries have to, divide, have to provide a lot of different services to this very uncommonly diverse community. So, I, you know, you mentioned earlier bringing my children to the library. My children went to the library on many occasions and, and brought lots of books out on each of the different occasions. I like to say that my children I like to read as much as you and I breathe, if you will. So, to say that we're going to potentially close the library, uh, yes, I do have a personal bias in favor of maintaining them as they are. I've been in both of the branches. Um, as I look at it, you know, we should look at it as one library in two physical locations. So it may be that as we look at what's offered in each of the locations, they don't necessarily have to exactly duplicate what the other does. And so one isn't necessarily a branch of the other, but rather look at it as a whole in terms of the suite of things that it, that it offers. So perhaps the computer center at the Hilton branch could help define it as a, as a technology center. Um, I am very much in favor of 
the strategic plan that the library has put together in terms of establishing a library foundation and pursuing grant opportunities to fund some different initiatives. I'd also like to, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a fundraiser actually last week where if you showed your card, you actually got 10% off on your purchases. And, and that type of thing, uh, excuse me, not 10% off your purchase, 10% of your bill mm-hmm. was donated to the library. Oh, wow. And so, Precious. you know, that was a great promotion. And, you know, those types of opportunities enable us to collectively make the statement that the, value, that the libraries are a valued thing. And we're going to have to work collaboratively together in order to hold on to we, what we hold dear in light of all the budget challenges that we face. You know, one more point on shared services, but I like to stress that on the Maplewood uh, Girls Softball Organization. They have done a great job between Maplewood South Orange Girls of, of bringing the two towns together to really create a vibrant program for girls softball. Um, if you're elected as on the township committee, uh, can you pledge continued support for the Maplewood South Orange Girls Softball League? <laughs> yes, I can. I can do that. <laughs> my, my, my friends will be very appreciative. <laughs> this program started, I think, back in 2002, 2003, and now it boasts over a couple hundred of, of girls getting involved in softball. Yeah, I, um, my children, I was involved in, in numerous recreation programs as a, as a coach. Uh, both my children uh, were playing on the basketball teams, my daughter and my son, and I actually coached their fifth and sixth grade basketball teams. And, uh, you know, whenever you have opportunities for, for children to really uh, get together and, you know, have fun. I mean, you know, that, that's what being a child is about, having fun, having opportunities to interact with other children, taking advantage of the diversity that exists in our community and being able to interact with people who are similar to them and different from them. You know, I really enjoy that. And so to the extent that we can preserve those types of opportunities for our children, I'm very much in favor of that. Let's, let's talk about Marlon K. Brownlee, the person as a leader. What has been one of the most challenging uh, times that you had as a leader? And how did you address it and how did you overcome it? Well, as I, as I think about that, one of the things that comes to mind is, is something in my professional life. Uh, I am uh, an entrepreneur. I have my own information systems consulting practice and I work with a, a wide variety of different companies around the country helping them implement different types of computer systems. And as we try to do those implementations, there's always a, a resistance to change. You know, people are used to doing things a particular way and even if something is something that will benefit them in the long run there there's a natural reluctance to change from the way in which they've done things over time i was working on one particular project and i could see the the vision and how much it would benefit the people that i was working with but the solution that we were putting together was a very complex one and so it was difficult for the people to sort of grasp when all the pieces were put together, how they were going to benefit so much from that. They could only see the individual pieces. And that was that was a challenge because, again, given that reluctance to change, and now here's even a difficulty in seeing the end result, there was a very strong reluctance to to go with it, if you will. What did I do in that situation? Well, working through the process, you start to build little victories, if you will. So rather than trying to take the whole situation and deliver the entire thing to them, I work for it in chunks, if you will. So we did this particular piece, we did another particular piece, we did another particular piece, and then people started to see how, oh, now I see what you're talking about now, 
And in seeing that and having these little victories, they were better able to see the end result which I was trying to work them towards. And once they saw that, and then they also saw that there were steps that were actually successfully being made on the way to that, that helped engender the feeling that I understand now where we're going with this, and they came on board, and ultimately we were able to achieve the objective we were talking about doing, which is a very integrated system that relied on a lot of different parts. So there's, again, that sort of natural reluctance to change from the way in which you've done things over time, but sometimes you just need to build with little victories to gain the confidence of the people you're working with, and based on that, you can then work forward from there. Another key word that you use throughout your campaign and throughout all the literature that I've seen written about you is the word listen. Yes. That you are a great listener. Yes. And you're going to bring that skill to the township committee as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And, and with the, that listening, um, when does action come? <laughs> well, you know, certainly when you listen, you know, the purpose of listening is to be able to solicit as much information as you can in order to inform your decisions for taking action. And there is sometimes a, a, a propensity for some people to maybe uh, take too long, you know, the phrase analysis paralysis, if you will. Um, but again, as I said before, the, those little victories that I talked about earlier, that is important as well. So when we talk about you know, when to take action, as soon as possible, and that varies obviously by the thing we're talking about. I was at one coffee and I was talking to a, a woman and, and she expressed, it became kind of an interesting thing because she talked about how companies would bring in these high-priced consultants to perform these studies, if you will, and how they would do these studies, do these studies, and no action seemed to be being done, if you will. And we chuckled a bit because, as you know, my profession is as a consultant. <laughs> However, <laughs> my, my work is focused on implementation. So when we are working, we are working actively towards getting things done. I, I'm not one who is doing studies about what things should be done. I think it is important to establish a baseline of where we're at, and so that's one of the first things that I'm going to do if I'm elected to the Township Committee is get an understanding of where we're at on some of these initiatives that I've talked about, shared services, et cetera. But then the time does quickly move to the point where we need to actually take action if we're going to gain the confidence of the community that the things we're talking about are actually things that are going to get done. So the time is, is, is short. You know, you're going to say the time is now, if you will. It's as soon as possible. Again, it varies by the initiatives that we're talking about. And the council uh, meets how many times during the year? The township committee meets twice per month, mm -hmm. but the work of the township committee is, is not strictly what's done in those committees. One of the things that I made a, a point of doing when I considered running for the township committee was to actually talk with people who are on the township committee and who have considered running for it to get an understanding of what the position actually entailed. So while the committee itself only meets as an entire body, twice per month in their meetings, there are also a host of committees that they belong to as well. All the township committee members belong to, you know, three, four, five committees, if you will. And so there's a lot of work involved that you don't see as part of the standard monthly meetings as well. You know, one of the things, again, in terms of that engagement with the community is to make them aware of the existence of all these different committees, because these are opportunities for people to be involved in the actual workings of the community. We need to communicate the information out to those who are not on the committee, certainly, but it's also an opportunity for people to actually be involved in the actual doings of the work as well. You know, working full-time, uh, raising a family, 
serving in the township committee. Um, how do you manage your time? <laughs> well, I don't sleep very much. <laughs> no, I, I, I certainly it's it, it's a challenge. And, you know, do I ever get tired? Well, you know, certainly I get tired from time to time, but I enjoy what I do so much. That gives me energy to keep on going. So it's not uncommon for me to be out twice, three times a week. You know, I come home and my wife and I, we always make sure that we're sitting down for, for dinner each night together as a family, which is actually a tradition that is a uh, uh, unfortunately, not all too common in these days, but we always sit down together for that. But then sometimes right after dinner, it's off to a meeting, if you will. And so that that's not uncommon. But again, given how much I enjoy and I genuinely enjoy working with people, uh, that gives me the energy to keep on going. I, I see you know, opportunities, and, and that's what energizes me to continue on and press forward in trying to be a positive influence on the community. Let's talk about your two fine children, Simone and, and uh, Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, Simone yes. and Marcus. <laughs> and now Marcus is a senior in high school. Yeah, bo- both of my children are, are students at Columbia High School. We've, uh, my wife and I raised them uh, to this point. Uh, you know, we're both very heavily involved in the schools as, as PTA presidents, et cetera. They're both very actively involved in the schools, you know, we have a philosophy of, of, of three A's, if you will. We want to make sure, obviously, that the academics are taken care of, but we also want to make sure that they're also doing the, uh, the athletic and the artistic as well. So my son is uh, a participant on the, a sport that was invented at Columbia High School, uh, the Ultimate Frisbee Team. And I right. uh, can give a plug out to the uh, Ultimate Frisbee Team at uh, Columbia High School. And uh, my daughter is on the, uh, the track team at Columbia High School. And Columbia High School's track team, uh, uh, they rock. <laughs> now, did they win the state championship? Recently? They are a perennial power in the mm-hmm. state. And, um, you know, both the Ultimate Frisbee team and the uh, girls' track team are perennial powers and, and are consistently winning championships uh, year after year. Uh, to have them both be a part of those programs uh, is certainly a, a delightful thing for, for me, but more importantly, for them. And what event does Simone participate in? <laughs> Simone is, <laughs> does a number of different things. She's a, she's a sprinter. She'll tell you she doesn't want to do any, any long-distance running. Uh, she's fast. Uh, I, I gave up actually trying to erase them. I, I, I'm saying this on the air, of course. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to erase them anymore because uh, the last time I raced them, they, they came very close to beating me, and that was a number of years ago. And I don't want to race them again now because they, they might, be, might, might beat me, but I at least like to hold on to the fact that I might be able to still hold them off. So Simone is a sprinter. She's done everything from the 100 to the to the 400-meter hurdles. And um, it does it, it makes me uh, happy to see her run because, actually, I ran track as well for eight years. I ran in high school and in college. And um, when she first said she wanted to run track, I was, I was a little skeptical that she, she really wanted to do it. But uh, she certainly has taken it on and you know, she's a part of the team, and she really enjoys it. And so I'm happy to see her having fun well, doing that. I, I really enjoy it. I wrote that down to three A's, academics, artistic, and athletics. Yes. yeah, Very well-rounded. Yes, that's, that's, that's an important consideration, I think, for, for all children. That's something that we've adopted as a philosophy. They both play instruments as well. You know, Simone plays the viola. Marcus plays the trombone. And so they're, they're, they're all they're, they're well-rounded children, and, 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 and we're certainly very proud of them. So which university is going to be lucky to get Marcus, you think? Oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. You know, hopefully, uh, 
uh, whoever, whoever gets him will, will definitely be a, a very fortunate uh, institution. Uh, I'm not going to jinx anything by saying any names right now, but uh, there are a number of schools on the list. And, and, well, and when the sign comes to Simone, they're going to be uh, happy to have Miss Simone as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do to relax? I mean, you're constantly very busy, but what do you do to relax? You like books that you like to read? Oh, I, I, I'm an avid reader. You know, I try to inculcate that in, uh, in both my children as well. I've, I'm usually reading about three or four books at any particular time. Um, I'm an avid uh, exercise person. Everybody knows I like to, to work out and play basketball. Well, you're a martial artist, too. I, I, am, I am a martial artist. I, I promise not to uh, do anything to anybody, but, but yes, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a second-degree black belt in uh, Taekwondo. Uh, so I, I study that from time to time. Um, I'm an avid runner, although I haven't run very much of late. So again, my kids might beat me, so <laughs> Marcus and Simone, we're not racing anytime soon. Uh, so I try to do a number of different things, and, I, and obviously I try to take care of myself. Uh, you know, I'm vegetarian, so I, I, mm-hmm. I just try to lead a, a healthy lifestyle. Whether mm-hmm. it adds more years to my life, we'll see, but I like to think that uh, it adds to the quality of the years that I have while I'm here on the planet, however Wonderful. many I'm blessed with. Wonderful. So let's flash forward. It's November 3rd. You are elected. What's your 90-day plan? My 90-day plan? Well, the first thing is to... Uh, uh, again, establish a baseline of, of where we're at. You know, when I talk about the shared services initiatives that I mentioned earlier, I want to understand what initiatives are, are currently in place, what things are uh, underway, there are discussions that are underway. Uh, I want to understand everything that we do as a municipality, top to bottom, and understand and ask the fundamental question in each of those cases, is this something that we need to do ourselves? Or is this something that we can potentially share the responsibility for doing this with another entity, either another municipality, either the county level, or perhaps even internally with the Board of Education? So that's certainly one of my first keys for the 90 days. And then the second, again, is to start, again, with that proactive engagement with the community and actually getting out and talking to people, reintroducing myself to those who I met during the campaign and showing them that, as I said, during the campaign is not the last time that they're going to see me, but also those people who I haven't had a chance to meet yet. And that includes those that perhaps supported my opponent, but, uh, you know, they have good ideas as well. And so I'm not you know, one who's only going to listen to one type of person. Uh, one of the pieces of advice that I got was that sometimes you have to listen to those who disagree with you, but I think it's important to listen to everybody. Well, very good. Well, Marlon, we are out of time. I've enjoyed talking to you over the last two weekends. Uh, We are here with Democratic candidate for Maplewood Township Committee, Marlon K. Brownlee. And uh, Marlon, we want to thank you for coming on the program. Thank you, Darrell. I've had a good time listening and uh, speaking, and uh, thank you for having me on. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, Leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.